Welcome to the teaching ministry of Rev. Daryl Baker, pastor of Christian Faith Fellowship. Pastor Baker is fulfilling the call of God on his life to preach the Word of God without compromise. Raising up disciples who through faith in God will have a powerful impact on our world. May you be blessed through the message that Pastor Baker has to share with you today. May God's very best be yours. Turn to 1 Corinthians 12. 1 Corinthians 12, we're talking about the power of Pentecost. Meaning that God put us on the planet, gave us the Holy Spirit, empowered us to do what Coy and Donna have done for 47 years. What our pastor has done coming up on five decades. What Terry Mize has done for over, excuse me, uh, yeah, for over five decades. Terry Mize has been in ministry over 50 years. God wants all of his people doing his work, putting Satan in his place, fulfilling what we have, has an ability to walk in the victory Jesus gave us and help set people free. I just can't imagine why people who have a cure to every single person's problem in life don't want to share it. Imagine somebody terminally ill, you have an antidote, and you don't want to share it. You don't want to give it. You want to watch them die. I don't want to do that. I said, I don't want to do that. And you and I have a power in us that's an antidote to set people free, to deliver them from the very powers of darkness. Amen? My reservation oftentimes in the natural, not in the spiritual, in the natural, about teaching on these gifts of the Spirit on a Sunday mornings, I think, man, this could be a little heady for people. But the truth is, it's not. Reality, that's a lie. That's the enemy trying to convince me not to teach it. But every believer, the Bible is so simple, every believer can understand the truth of God's Word. Every believer can understand what God has for us. And thank God, God gave us the ability to walk in this power so we can experience victory in our life and help others. Amen? Amen. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, we know that in, of course, Acts chapter 2, we've already talked about it. The Pentecost, the power of God came upon those who yielded to Him. And therefore, that power was now available. How many? Just the 12? No. Nope, 120. Yes. Women included. Yes. I said women included. Yes. All the ladies said. Yes. And guess what they did? They went out doing the works of Jesus. Yes. Empowered by the Holy Spirit. That's what God wants me and you doing. He wants us to be a force on this earth for Him. Changing people's lives through the power of God. So part of that involves the gifts of the Spirit. Because this power comes from the Holy Spirit. And this Holy Spirit provides us gifts with which to use. To be able, not only be able, a help to us in our lives, but also to be a weapon against the enemy. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, believers, I do not want you to be what? So in the midst of this, although we're going to talk more at the end of these teaching on the gifts, how to function in these gifts. In the midst of this, we need to understand how do we get these gifts to function? God gave you gifts. God, have you ever given a gift to somebody? Gone to their house months or years later and see it sitting up on a shelf somewhere, never even touched, and wonder why did I give them that gift? I'll raise my hand. Anybody ever done that? Now, you might have gave a dumb gift. <laughs> right? I mean, sometimes people give gifts that you really can't use. But I mean, you know, these gifts God gave us, we can use, and He intends for us to use them. God doesn't want you to get to heaven and say, Why did you shelf my gifts? Why did you take this incredible power? Now think about this. How many remember growing up as a kid? I, I can remember this man just like it was yesterday. How many remember growing up as a kid anticipating Christmas Day? For us, when we were kids, because our bedrooms were upstairs, we couldn't wait to run down those steps, man, and get down there and see all them presents that showed up under the tree. And why? Just to look at them? Uh-uh. No, no. We couldn't wait to tear them open and get them out and start playing with those, those presents. Amen. Well, guess what? As a believer, when you study these gifts, you should have just as much excitement, just as much enthusiasm. Say, look at these gifts I've got to open that God gave me that I can use for the purpose of His glory. Amen? Amen. That the Holy Spirit will help me to use. So for us to function in these gifts, there's things we've got to do. Number one, we can't be ignorant. He just told you. Concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. So as we go through this understanding of these nine gifts that we've been given that are part of the power of Pentecost, we need to know what they are, we need to know how they function, and we need to see them working in the Bible. We don't make them function, the Holy Spirit does. I'm going to show you more about how. Some of you will realize as we get to the latter part of these teachings, some of these gifts have been trying to function in your life and you didn't even realize it. 
Some of them have been trying to operate. The Holy Spirit's been trying to operate these gifts in your life and help you with these gifts and work them through you, and you didn't even realize that's what it was. And you didn't yield to it. You didn't allow it to function. So these gifts were not to be what? Ignorant of. That means we need to understand them fully, right? If you went and bought a whole bunch of new power tools for somebody that never had them before, how I many know you don't want to just hand those tools over and say, hey, see what you can do? Right. No, you need to show them how to work them. Help them understand them, know what they are, amen? Well, that's these gifts. They're power tools. Say power tools. So we need to understand them, need to know how they work. So drop down to verse 7 with me. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7. The manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. They're called the manifestation gifts of the Spirit because they're to be what? They're to be seen. They're to be seen. They're to be functioning in our life. They're not just supposed to be sitting idle in our life. They're supposed to be functioning. What are these gifts? Verse 8. For to one is given a word of wisdom. You ought to have these underlined. There's nine of them. To one is given a word of wisdom. How? Through the Spirit. Well, how do I get that, Pastor? That you get that the moment you're actually born again. By learning to yield to the Holy Spirit and be baptized in the Holy Spirit, you now know how to yield to Him to use these gifts. It doesn't mean you don't have them if you're not baptized in the Holy Spirit speaking in tongues. When you get baptized in the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues, you've learned how to yield to the one that is in you that has these gifts. Who wants you to use these gifts. So, to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit. To another, underline it, the word of knowledge. Through what? Same Spirit. Nine, to another, faith. That's not normal faith. That's not basic faith as we're going to see today. That's supernatural faith. By the same Spirit to another, gifts of healings. By the same Spirit to another, working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, discerning of spirits. To another, different kinds of tongues. To another, the interpretation of tongues. Verse 11, watch this. But one and the same Spirit, the Holy Spirit, works all these things. We don't. He does. He works all these things as we yield to Him. Watch this. Distributing, underline it, to each one. To each one individually as he wills. What believer doesn't have these gifts? Nobody. Everybody's got them. Everybody's got them. Everybody has these nine gifts available that are gifts of the Holy Spirit that the Holy Spirit wants to manifest through us to be able to do what? Destroy the works of darkness and to walk in victory and help other people get free. Amen? So there are three categories of gifts. A couple services ago, I went over a brief overview Of these three categories, there's three in each one. And you can see clearly by the categorization of them, that reveals what they do. And then you can understand them further in individual definition of those actual gifts. So the first of the three gifts is what we call the revelation gifts. Gifts of revelation. Now, why would they be revelation gifts? Isn't that heavy? Because they reveal something. It's that simple. So when you look at the categories, they're categorized this way because of what they do. So under the revelation gifts, we touched on the first two of these Wednesday night. There is what's known as a word of wisdom. What's a word of wisdom? Revelation of that which is in the future. God revealing things to come. Did not the Bible say the Holy Spirit, your helper, will show you things to come? That's words of wisdom. So the Holy Spirit, by him directing us how he chooses to use this in our life, can give us revelation. Say revelation. Revelation of that which is to come. Now, I want to explain something real quick before I go any further again. I'm going to keep saying it. He doesn't do this through your brain. You'll see this later in this series. He doesn't do it through your brain. He does it through your spirit, man. The Holy Spirit. This is something important we're going to get into in our following series about how to be led by God. God, under the New Testament, does not lead you by anything in the natural. He does not. He does not lead you by opening a door, closing a door. Well, the Bible talked about it. No, the Bible said he can open doors. Opportunity for you, that if God opens an opportunity, nobody can close it. But that doesn't mean, it didn't say he leads you by open doors. Come on. You listening? Every believer wants to be led by God for some reason, every other way than the way God said he would lead you. God in Romans 8 told you how he'll lead you in the New Testament. He'll lead you by his spirit, bearing witness with your spirit. The real you. If you want to function in these gifts, and you should want to, they're not going to happen through your brain. They're going to happen by inspiration of your spirit and you yielding to that and letting God use you. So they don't come through your brain. They come through your spirit. They come up through a knowing in your spirit, man. So again, there's words of wisdom, which is a revelation. Say revelation. Revelation. Say it again, please. (laughs) 
of that which is in the future. So it's not something I dreamed up in my mind or I just thought in my mind. It came up out of my spirit. Something I could not have known. Of which is a future aspect of something to happen. The second uh, gift of revelation is the word of knowledge. Say word of knowledge. Knowledge Knowledge is what? It's a fact. Meaning what? So it's not going to happen. It already has. Word of knowledge is that is revelation that has been or, or uh, has been or is happening. It's happening now, or it's already happened. So it's already a fact in your life today, or it's happened in the past. That's a word of knowledge, and it's again it comes by way of revelation of the Holy Spirit, not something in your head. So we touched on both of those Wednesday nights. So if you weren't here, go back listen to Wednesday night. I can't go back and repreach those. We got to move on. What's the third revelation gift? Discerning of spirits. We were barely getting into this as we were closing out, getting at the end of our time on Wednesday. So I didn't want to rush through this and obviously get it confused with you of what discerning of spirits is. So if you don't have the definition, write it down. Discerning of spirits, as he talks about here very clearly in verse 10. One of the gifts, discerning of spirits. What does it mean? The ability, say it after me, the ability to discern the spirit that motivates a person. The ability to discern the spirit That motivates a person. Think about going in business with somebody. What if you could discern the spirit motivating somebody to want to go in business with you? See, people don't ever think the devil would take advantage of them in this way, but he does. Satan primarily uses other people to deceive believers. And if it's a demonic power that's causing that individual to come to you, to try to mislead you, direct you, or in some way get involved in your life... And if discerning of spirits was operating in your life and you could yield to the Holy Spirit and know that, you could protect yourself. Amen. Thank you for all your amens about that. But God's clear about this. This discerning of spirits is spirits plural, so it is actually referring to three types of spirits. There's only three types of spirits. You ready? Divine, demonic, and human. Divine, demonic, and human. Now, you're not going to be in a position to understand or look at another person's individual spirit Only that person knows the heart of the man. What you can discern is, is it a demonic spirit or a divine spirit that's inspiring them to do what they're doing? Is this really of God or is this not of God? Is this Satan trying to use this person to take advantage of my life? How many of you have ever in a situation in relationship to somebody else, in a conversation, somebody wanting you to get involved with something, do something, whatever, there was something inside you that was really bothering you about this whole situation. Anybody ever had that happen? You know what that was? That's discerning of spirits. See, most of you have been functioning some of this gifts, didn't even know it. Didn't even know it. A lot of people call it intuition. Well, I just had, a, I had this, this uh, intuition within me. No, that was your spirit. If you're born again, that was the Holy Spirit saying, uh-uh, no, 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 no. This is not good. Satan's using this person. You don't need to go this way. And you don't have to have him say all those things to you like I just said it. All you got to know is know inside something's wrong. Something's not right here. This is called discerning of spirits. It is the ability to discern the spirit that motivates a person. Dealing with divine spirits, demons, in relationship to human spirits. Matthew 23. So the best way we can learn is go see examples in the Bible. Would you agree? Matthew 23. If nothing more, obviously you you should not, you're not going to function as you'll see this later. You're not going to function in the gifts of the Spirit just because you want the personal benefit of what they do for you. You're not going to function in the gifts that way. The primary purpose of the gifts is really helping other people. It's helping get other people set free. Amen? But it will help you as well. As you'll see, the gift of faith will help you. We'll probably get in that one tonight. We'll see how far we get this morning. But I'm going to tell you right now, man, the gift of faith is powerful. The gift of faith is God doing what only God can do, and you had nothing to do with it, but God did it for you because he wanted to do it. That's pretty awesome. I said, that's pretty awesome. He just placed within you at that moment the ability to trust him and believe him no matter what. You're going to see, there's so many examples of that in the Bible. Unreal. Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego. I mean, there's tons of them, tons of them. All right, but we're working on what? Discerning of spirits. You can tell I'm excited about that one. Matthew 23. You in Matthew 23 yet? Let's see this discerning of spirits working in Jesus' life. Jesus functioning in the gifts of the spirit? Yeah, why? Because he lived as a man, the Bible says. He came as the son of man. He was the son of God, but he came as the son of man to show you and I how to live, to function the same way you and I could. Jesus even said, it's not me that does the work. It's the Father in me. 
by the Holy Spirit, he'll do the same for you. Aren't you glad? Yes. Matthew 23, 27, Jesus said here, you ready for this? This is love talking, by the way. See, everybody thinks love is just really sweet and just kind of nices everything over. And, you know, we don't ever tell people, you know, if they're in sin or deal with their uh, lifestyle that's wrong, that's destroying their life or anything. No, because I want to walk in love. I don't want to make them feel bad. Well, this is still love speaking because this is Jesus. He's God and God's love. Any amens on that? 27. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees. Now, let me help you. The moment that God starts with the word woe, it ain't good. Woe's not good. Tell your neighbor, woe's not good. Not, not, not like, now listen, we're, we're not talking like Becky trying to stop a horse. Whoa, we're not talking about that. Sometimes in that case, woe's good. That's a different woe. That's a different woe. This woe means what? Bad is coming to you. You listening? I'm trying to warn you. Bad's coming to you if you don't recognize this and deal with this. So he, he says this to these Pharisees and scribes. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. That was love talking. That was love talking. He called them hypocrites. Well, that can't be love. You shouldn't call them a hypocrite. Jesus called somebody a hypocrite, and that was love talking. He was trying to help them. He was trying to correct them, get them out of their hypocrisy. They're just hurting their life. Now, scribes and Pharisees, come on. What would we compare them today? Devoted people in the context of what we see in the natural, who seem devoted to God, but they're really not walking to God. Walking with God. They're, they seem like they are, just from their outward external aspects of what they do and things they say, but in truth, that's not how they really live. So he said, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. You're like whitewashed tombs. Love's talking. Don't, don't walk up to somebody and say, hey, you're like a whitewashed tomb unless God tells you to. God, Jesus said, I only say what I hear the Father say. Was the Father love? Does the Father love everybody? Yes, he does. Don't get, we already talked about this. Don't get, don't get you know, glossed over with the false form of what you think love is, that love doesn't speak truth. Sure it does. I said, sure it does. It don't beat people over the head with the truth, but it speaks the truth. He's speaking the truth here. This don't sound like real sweet. You know, oh, oh, hey, you Pharisees. Now listen, I really care about you. I really do. I want you to hear me clearly. I'm not mad. I'm not upset with you. I'm not, no, 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 no. I'm not mad at it anyway, but you're hypocrites. <laughs> Forgive me if that hurts your feelings. I don't mean to hurt your feelings, but you're really hypocrite. You're like whitewashed tombs. You know what a whitewashed tomb is? Well, let me explain that to you. Well, they knew. I don't think he said it that way. He wasn't trying to be mean. He was trying to shake them to the core and wake them up. You know, sometimes with some believers, you got to shake them to the core and wake them up. Hypocrites, you're like these whitewashed tombs, which indeed appear beautiful outwardly, but inwardly they're full of what? Dead men's bones and uncleanness. Take a tomb, make it as beautiful as you want on the exterior, but inside it is a dead man's bones. No life in it. He's saying, you try to look on the outside like you have life, but on the inside, you're as dead as any other sinner. Why? They rejected him. They rejected the Son of God. They rejected him as the Messiah. Verse 28, even so, notice this, even so you also outwardly appear righteous to men, but inside, say inside. inside. Underline that. Inside, you're full of what? Hypocrisy and lawlessness. How did he know that? <clears throat> How did he know that? <clears throat> Let me tell you how. Discerning of spirits. Inside. What's inside you? Your spirit, man. Your spirit's inside you. What was he discerning? What's motivating your boys, uh, what's motivating you, you boys' spirits right now is not God. Because you're not even born again yet. But you're letting the devil take advantage of you, motivating what you do by keeping people from me. By telling people I'm not the Messiah. By rejecting me as the son of God who came to give life to them. Your motive is not right. Your motive is not good. How does he know this? He said inside. Say inside. How do we know it's discerning of spirits? He's talking about the inside of them. He functioned again just like a man. He did not walk on the planet knowing the hearts of all men unless the father revealed it to him. How did the father reveal it? Same way he'll reveal it to you by the Holy Spirit through what? Discerning of spirits. How do you know inside? Look at verse 28. He said again, outwardly you appear righteous to men, but inside. Say inside again. What's inside you? Your spirit. 
Inside you're what? You're full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. Now he didn't say that about everybody. I said he didn't say that about everybody. Even though everybody at that time wasn't even born again yet. You're going to see another person who's not born again. And he's actually going to say he's motivated by God in a divine way. By a good spirit. But this, these guys aren't. These guys are motivated by the devil himself. That's the reason they crucified him. So clearly Jesus is showing us here the functioning of discerning of spirits by revealing the very heart of the Pharisees and scribes. Because how many of you know not all the Pharisees and scribes were that way? How many of you know that? There were, there were a few of these Pharisees that actually thought this could be the Messiah. And they were telling all these people like he's talking to you, you better leave this guy alone. Because if, he, if, if he's of God, you're just fighting against God. You better back off, boys. Because you're fighting against the wrong dude here. Go to John chapter 1. John chapter 1. Now I want to encourage you in something. Some people, you could be teaching stuff like this. Well, I don't agree with that. All right, keep it to yourself. Agree to disagree. Go study it further. See if you can prove that's true. Because this is based not just on what I've experienced or what I'm teaching. This comes from a man named Howard Carter who was acknowledged by many great men of faith. Lester Summerall, Kenneth Hagin, uh, John G. Lake as one of the guys that God used to teach us the gifts of the Spirit in the New Testament. To understand these gifts because God showed him how to function in these gifts and what they were. How many know that all these different great men of God had different callings? Brother Hagin, what was his primary calling? Faith and healing. Go teach my people faith and healing. Only God knows how many people through Brother Hagin's ministry, people got healed and learned how to walk by Bible faith. You know how many Christians had no knowledge how to walk by Bible faith before Kenneth Hagin came along? You listening? He wasn't the only one to teach it, but that, that was his primary calling. Well, you know how many people in the days, that we think of it today like no big deal, but in their day, very few people knew about the gifts of the Spirit because not many people understood them, let alone taught them. But Dr. Uh, uh, Howard Carter did. So this is from men of God who studied, learned, walked this out. And if you don't believe it, fine. Keep it to yourself. Go study it further. Be like the Bereans. Study, show yourself approved. But you don't need to be going around telling everybody, I don't agree with that. I don't agree with that. I don't believe that. I don't agree with that. Well, I'll guarantee you what. I've heard stuff my pastor said that I thought in my mind. I don't know that I believe that. But I didn't go tell people. I went to God and I said, if I'm wrong, show me. And how many, I mean, almost every time. Like, okay, <laughs> I was wrong. Uh, he's been around a little longer. Smart as I really think I am, and I don't anymore. I, I found out I don't understand everything, praise God. Thank God for good leadership. John chapter 1, you with me still? Verse 47, another example. Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him, walking toward him. And he said to him, watch this, behold an Israelite, Indeed, underline this, in whom? In whom is what? No deceit. Now, I'll grant you, some might think, well, that's a word of knowledge. Even Dr. Sumrall said, because all these things come from the same Holy Spirit, they can run in together to seem like they're the same kind of thing. But when it's relating to the person inside, in whom? It's referring to the heart. And thus the reason Howard Carter said the Lord showed him, anytime you see these verses referring to the inner person, that's discerning of spirits. That's not a word of knowledge. A word of knowledge is knowing something about the person themselves, but the spirit within and the heart behind it, the motive behind what's motivating that person, that's discerning of spirits because it's actually revealing the human spirit and what's motivating it. You understand the difference? As opposed to just a word of knowledge about somebody. Because it, it will always refer to the inner man. Behold an Israelite indeed in what? In whom? In his heart there is what? No deceit within the heart. The motive of this man is no deceit. So obviously who is he honoring with his life? God. Who is inspiring and directing this man's life? God is to the best of his ability. So here Jesus discerns. In this case, it's not a bad motivation of a bad spirit. It's what? It's a good motivation of a good spirit. Good intent from a good spirit. Because in this man is what? No deceit. If there's no deceit within his heart, guess what he's not being influenced by? Demonic forces. Guess what's not influencing his life? Demons. Guess who he's not listening to? Demons. Guess who he is listening to? God. Guess who's motivating his life? God is. And therefore, by discerning of spirits... He can recognize and see this is somebody, again, by discerning of spirits who is clearly being motivated by God. Go to the book of Acts. Let's look at a couple examples in the book of Acts. 
Acts chapter 5. So the key in discerning of spirits is it will always reveal the context of the motive of the inner man, the heart behind it. Not external things of what they do. Anybody could look at something. I mean, if you saw somebody out here, you know, walk up to somebody, just slap them for no reason, would that be good or bad? Well, obviously, you don't need discerning of spirits to say, well, that's not good. Right? Had no reason. They just walk up, say, I just feel like punching this guy. And they just punch a guy. Is that good or bad? You don't need discerning of spirits for that. He, it may not even been a demon that caused him to do that. He could just be carnal and fleshly. But how many understand the power of this discerning of spirits and helping us to walk in the light of protection God wants us to walk in and to recognize people that are under right motivation? Can I get a better amen? amen? Acts chapter 5. You ready for this one? New Testament's been birthed. And now it's actually beginning to become quite explosive. People born again, miracles happening, etc. We come to Acts 5. A certain man named Ananias... With Sapphira, his wife, sold a possession. At this time, before these verses, you'll find out people started selling stuff they had as they got born again. So by that, by all means that we know of, Ananias and Sapphira were probably born again. Some people question that, doubt that. But they're part of the context of this new group of believers who are getting born again and they felt so compelled to want to help the rest of the group that had a need, they were selling stuff they had, bringing the money, giving it to Peter and the apostles to distribute to others as they had need. So Ananias and Sapphira get in on it. This Ananias and Sapphira with his wife sold a possession. Say they sold a possession. Does God care what you sell something for? He doesn't. He doesn't want you to be taken advantage of. He don't care what you sell something for. You know why? Let me help you. This earth, it's all going to burn up. Do you think it really matters? No. I said, do you think it really matters? Does, does it matter to God if I sold a car for 100 bucks or 10000 He don't care. I said, he don't care. But I guarantee you what, these guys understandably, notably, here as you're about to see, are going to actually take advantage of trying to lie to the Holy Spirit to make themselves look like they're bigger in the sight of the rest of the church than they are. They want everybody's attention. And clearly, God doesn't care what you sell a possession for. That's up to you. Verse 2, notice this. He kept back part of the proceeds. Is that okay? Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. He sold a possession. He kept back part of the proceeds. Is that okay? Do we have a verse that says you can't do that? Not at all. Not at all. You go sell something you got. You can keep it if you want. You can do whatever you want with it. It was yours to begin with. Is there any problem with that? We ain't got a problem yet. Say we ain't got a problem yet. So notice this, he kept back part of the proceeds, his wife also being aware of it, and he brought a certain part and he laid it at the apostles' feet. A certain part. Now you're going to notice as the story progresses that the reason he held some back was because he's going to actually tell the disciples. So let's say, let's say he sold whatever this possession they had, let's say he sold it for, oh, we'll think big for their day, 5,000 bucks in our time. And then he tells his wife, he says, you know what? We're going to go tell everybody because this is what happens. This is the story. You'll see it. We're going to go tell everybody we sold this for 5000 but we're not going to actually give the whole 5000 oh But that's what we're going to tell Peter and the disciples because we don't want to look any less than anybody else. We want to look big. We want to be look like we're big, you know. So we want everybody to look at us and obviously notice us. And so we're going to give, we're going to sell five, but we're only going to give 3000 We're going to hold 2000 back, Sapphira. So don't you mention a word of this to anybody. You in agreement? Okay, I'm in agreement. Yeah, let's keep 2000 back. Again, they sold a possession. Is that okay? Yes. Did they have a right to hold anything back? Yes. Absolutely. Guess what you don't have the right to do as a believer? Lie to the Holy Spirit. Right. Tell God something that ain't true. This is money that's being given to the kingdom of God. Amen. When you hand money to the kingdom of God, guess what? That money goes into a whole different realm. That money now is recognized as holy and set apart for the work of God. Verse 3, Peter said, Ananias, underline this please, underline it. Why has Satan done what? Is this a word of knowledge? Is this a word of knowledge? What are we talking about right now? How do we know it's discerning of spirits? Notice what he referred to, his heart, his spirit man. Who filled it? Satan did. What's discerning of spirits? The ability... To discern the motive behind the heart of a person. Discerning of spirits is revealing the motive behind what they're about to give. 
was now actually inspired by what? Satan himself. Good or bad? Now we're on bad territory. Why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and keep back part of the price of the land yourself? Could he kept back part of it? Yeah, all he had to do is say, you know what? We sold it for 5000 but we're going to bring 3000 so here's 3000 Thank you. Thank you. Praise God. No problem. But that's not what they said. We sold it for 5000 No, they didn't say that. What did they say? In this case, we sold it for three. He didn't say we kept two. We sold it for three. That's all we got. Here's the whole amount. And they had 2000 of it tucked away back in their tent. Who are they lying to? Why? Because they're bringing that money to be presented to God as part of his work. They're lying to God. You think you're going to lie to God and get away with it? Now, a lot of people may not like this. This is New Testament. And Jesus said it. You know, you could, you could literally speak against me, but if you speak against the Holy Spirit, guess what? This is unforgivable. So again, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and keep back part of the price of the land yourself? Now, why would Peter say that? What's Peter functioning under right now? He's functioning under the anointing of God. They are the leaders now in position as the apostles anointed of God. Remember, book of Acts chapter 2. They've been empowered by God to birth the New Testament church. He's functioning under that power. Verse 4. While it remained, Peter said. In other words, while it was still in your possession, while you still had, was it not your own? Meaning what? You could have done whatever you wanted. Why'd you, why'd you have to lie about it? Well, if you lied about it, the intent is clear. It's like Satan. You're trying to do what? Why? How do we know... How do we know, based on Satan's operations, how do we know Satan's motivating him to do this? How do we know that? Because Satan's all about focus on me, baby. I will be worshipped. I will be exalted above God. What's he trying to do with Ananias and Sapphira? Get the focus on them like they're these big givers when they actually did not give that amount. Can I get a better amen? Notice again, verse 4, While it remained, was it not your own? And afterward, after, was it, after it was sold... Notice this, was it not in your own control to do whatever you wanted with? God didn't demand this of you. Why have you conceived this thing in your heart? Underline it. Why have you conceived this thing in your heart? What's functioning here in Peter right now? What's functioning in Peter right now? Discerning a spirit. So I'm going to give you an example of this in our life and ministry. Discerning a spirit. I didn't watch him fall dead. <laughs> but... You got to understand, this was serious. Why, was, why did God do this? I'll tell you why. They immediately denied Jesus. They denied the Holy Spirit by lying to him. And therefore, if they were born again, they were now damned for eternity, could not be forgiven. God brought judgment on them. He didn't wait. God brought judgment on them that moment. He already knew their heart. Heart was not good. They were, they were willing to yield to the, whole, to, uh, to the devil and let the devil use them. So if you leave them alive in the church, what do you think is going to happen? You not know the many people are going to be damaged by these two? Who's motivating them and what they're doing? What do you think they're going to be motivating people to do? Same thing. Guess what God's going to do? He's going to deal with this real quick up front to show you don't allow this kind of stuff to go on. You know why God's so adamant about this? Why is God so adamant about it? Is he happy about losing Ananias and Sapphira to the devil? No. But you know what he's really going to actually protect? I don't want to lose others. This is going to deceive and mislead a lot of other people because you're motivated by the devil. What do you think they're going to be feeding other people as a part of the congregation? You understand why discerning of spirits needs to be functioning? It's for protection as well. Amen? Notice this again. Why have you conceived this, verse 4, this thing in your heart? You have not lied to men but to God. Well, they're just lying to Peter. Who's Peter anointed by right now? Holy Spirit. Who they're lying to? God. He represents God. Some people still don't get this. Let's guess, guess what? We're not God. Say, so I'm not God. But you know what? When you go under the power of the Holy Spirit, you represent Him. You represent Him. Ministers of the gospel that truly are ministers of the gospel, they represent Him. You, you got no idea how many people are going to be dealt with harshly in some ways. when they get, they're, they're going to make heaven, some of them. They're going to make heaven, but I'll guarantee you what? They're going to be dealt with stern at the judgment seat of Christ for how they've treated ministers. How they've spoken behind their back and said things about them and lied about them, disagreed with them, tried to turn people against them. You think, you think, you really, you think God's just going to let that go? No. You don't think God's not going to deal with that, the judgment seat of Christ? Verse 5, notice this. Then Ananias, 
hearing these words, fell down and breathed his last. Say dead. So great fear came upon all those who heard those things. How many believe that would happen? Yeah, if somebody came in here and God used by discerning of spirits me to say, hey, why'd you lie? The Holy Spirit, they fell dead. How many think, oh, I ain't doing that. (laughs) Well, this is a mean God. No, he's not. What are they motivated by? Evil. What is their heart? Evil. You don't think this is a good God that's eradicating evil? Guess what a good God does? I like a little more input. Guess what a God, good God does? He eradicates evil. Why? He don't want evil to hurt people. He's eradicating evil. Verse 6, And the young men arose and they wrapped him up. They carried him out and they buried him. About three hours later, his wife at home, wonder where he's at. Wonder where he's at. How come he ain't come back yet? She goes to find him. So here she comes. About three hours later, verse 7, his wife came in knowing what had happened. Knowing, knowing what had happened? Not knowing. She didn't know about it. She didn't know this had happened. Nobody had given her the word yet. Notice this, verse 8. Peter answered her, tell me whether you sold the land for so much. She could have got herself out of the deal right there. Right there. Did you sell it for 3000 Well, no, we sold it for five. Now, she might have done that if she'd known what happened to her husband. But she didn't know. So she's under the same motive of the wrong spirit with a wrong heart who simply was be, be one again to take advantage of other people if she's left around. You're still listening. Now, listen, God doesn't hardly ever kill people today. I've known it to happen because their heart is so wicked and so evil and Satan sent them to try to destroy a work of God. That shouldn't scare you. That should be a a comfort to know my God's going to protect us from evil. But I'm going to tell you what, there's a lot of people going in and out of churches trying to destroy churches, trying to do destruction to churches that are nothing more than a ploy of the devil. Discerning of spirits can point these people out. So notice this, verse 8, Peter answered and said, tell me whether you sold the land for so much. He said, yes, for so much. How many know that was the same amount of what uh, Ananias said? Peter said to her, how is it that you have agreed together to test the spirit of the Lord? The word test here is a bad word. It means to deceive. The word in the Greek is deceive. How is it that you've tried to deceive the the Lord? How many can deceive the Lord? How How many of you can deceive the Lord? You can't. He knows everything. Isn't it amazing they thought they could? Look, the feet of those who have buried your husband are at the door, and they will carry you out. Who spoke that? No, he didn't. Who spoke that? God did. God, by the Holy Spirit, said it. See, this isn't Peter being mean, and this ain't God being mean. This is God saying, I'm going to protect this church. No, devil, you're not going to get a plant in this new church that's being birthed and destroy my work. No, you're not. I'm going to expose it, and I'm going to deal with it right here and right now. And that's what he did. These people wouldn't have turned their hearts to God. God knows the hearts of all men. He already knows who's going to be in heaven and hell. We just don't. He already knows the hearts of all men. Can I get a better amen? Verse 10, immediately she fell down at his feet and breathed her last. And the young men came in and found her dead, carrying her out, buried her and her husband. And so great fear came upon all the church and upon all those who heard these things. Now, not like in just essence fear like afraid of God, but you know what? A true reverence for God, and that's exactly what God wanted. He wanted people to have a reverence for Him. him. Why does God want us to have such a reverence for Him? You ready? Because if you have that kind of reverence for God, guess what you will have? You'll have an abhorrence for evil. You know why so many Christians don't have an abhorrence for evil today and why they're so involved in it? Because they don't have a reverence for God. If you truly have a reverence for God, you abhor evil. You abhor that which is demonic. You abhor that which is from Satan. That's just going to take advantage of your life, hurt your life, hurt other people's lives. But God was saying up front, I'm going to create a holy reverence in this new church. That they would reverence me so Satan, are you listening, cannot take advantage of their life. That's the goal. That's the goal. If you know the truth, what will the truth do? Set you free. All right. What was that we just saw in Acts chapter 5? Tell me, please. How do we know? Because he referred to their hearts. Acts chapter 8. One more. Got got time for one more? And then I'll give you an example and I'll close this morning. I'm going to start on the power gifts tonight. Get ready for the power gifts, man. We'll get in the power gifts tonight. Acts chapter 8. So here in Acts chapter 8, to set a little context, we'll back up to verse 9. So you can see the person we're going to look at here for just a moment. 
and recognize, again, this discerning of spirits in operation. In this case here, again, we're going to see this in a, in, a, in a disciple's life, recognizing the spirit behind this person of what they're motivated and what they're saying by. That they're not motivated by God, they're, they're motivated by the devil. And you're going to see there's going to be a little bit more, levit, a little more uh, uh, leeway here because of the background of this person from where they came out of. All right, Acts chapter 8, verse 9, there was a certain man called Simon. Say Simon. He, he's, this guy's going to be our focus. There was a certain man uh, named Simon who previously practiced sorcery, witchcraft, worked with demons in the city, and he astonished the people of Samaria, claiming that he was some awesome uh, that he was someone awesome to whom they all gave heed from the least to the greatest, saying, this man is the great power of God. So they were thinking what he was doing, supernaturally, was from God, and it was not. This is talking about when he was under the influence of demons, he's serving in sorcery, serving in witchcraft, operating by the power of demonic forces, and they're claiming this must be the great power of God. Again, God knows the hearts of all people. So God doesn't strike this guy down because he knows his heart will change. Verse 11, they heeded him because he had astonished them with his sorceries for a long time. That means magical arts. Working with demons. 12, notice this. But when they believed Philip, who was Philip? Great disciple. When, when they believed Philip as he preached the things concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, both men and women were what? Baptized. Now if they were baptized, what does that mean? They got born again. Because in their case... They first of all told them about salvation, receive Christ, and then be what? Water baptized. So in this case, New Testament book of Acts, if they're being water baptized after they've already preached the gospel to them, what does that mean? They've already been born again. Water baptism doesn't save you. Faith in Jesus does. So clearly they put their faith in Jesus. So now, what does Philip say? Well, let, how about you be water baptized for the remission of sin? Acknowledging that you've now remitted your sin and you're now born again. So they get water baptized. Again, watch this clearly. It's very powerful. Verse 12, Philip again, as he preached these things concerning the kingdom of Christ, both men and women were what? Baptized. Verse 13, then Simon himself, the sorcerer, the guy who was practicing witchcraft with demons. Notice this. Simon himself was also, Simon himself also did what? Believe, put his faith in Jesus. Say glory to God. He put his faith in Jesus and when he was baptized, guess what he did? He continued with Philip. He'd been functioning under demonic power. Now he wants to learn about this godly power. Can I get a better amen? But this is a problem because initially his focus is going to be on the power. Because of what he'd been experiencing being used by demons. But he's born again. Say he's born again. <clears throat> he believed he's born again. He's water baptized. He continues with Philip. Watch this. And he was amazed. Think about the stuff he had done. <clears throat> but none of that amazed him. What amazed him? Seeing the miracles and signs which were done. Say miracles. Now, we'll get into this tonight, but this is revealing Philip operated in working of miracles. Right. Miracles are supernatural invention in the natural realm of life. Right. And realize that Philip was operating in such miracles. Simon sees this happening. He's like, man, <clears throat> I've never seen anything like this. Who knows what all he saw? Raised from the dead? Could have. Lame, lame uh, people here, whatever. We, he, saw, he traveled with Philip. Philip's doing all this stuff, so he's watching it. He's amazed. Like, I, I never did that stuff. No. Demons could never do that stuff. Verse 14, so now notice this. When the apostles who were at Jerusalem heard <clears throat> that Samaria had received the word of God, meaning they had now been uh, born again, <clears throat> they did what? They sent Peter and John to them, to whom when they had come down, they prayed for them that they might do what? Now, see, people will think that's salvation, but it's not. You've got to look at this with the way the New Testament lays this out. Verse 14, they had received the word of God, meaning what? They received the salvation that was offered them. So what was verse 15? In the New Testament, when they talked about receiving the Holy Spirit, they're not talking about getting born again. They use that term all the time to say, you need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. You need to yield to this Holy Spirit. In one case, they said, so have you received the Holy Spirit since you believed? You put your faith in Jesus, now have you yielded to this power of the Holy Spirit so you can function in this power of the Holy Spirit. So this is how they termed it, have you received the Holy Spirit. That's not being born again. That's being baptized in the Holy Spirit. 16, for as yet he had done what? He had done what? 
Come on, he had done what? Fallen upon, up on, up on, up on. Fallen means to come upon them, just like day of Pentecost. Had, had, had done this with none of them yet. They had only been what? Baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Say they're born again. They're born again. But guess what they're not? Baptized in the Holy Spirit. They haven't learned to yield to this power yet. Right. They haven't learned to yield to this one that's living in them yet. To come upon them. Verse 17. So notice this. They laid hands on them and they did what? Oh, so now they received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Now according to the book of Acts and all through the Bible, how do we know they received the Holy Spirit? How do we know this? The reality of what we know throughout the book of Acts that reveals someone received the baptism of the Holy Spirit is the evidence of speaking in a heavenly language. They laid hands on them. They prayed over them. They received the Holy Spirit. So what is the evidence? How do we know? How do we know that they received this Holy Spirit? Again, read it again. Very clearly here. It says, verse 17, they laid hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. And Simon, when he saw that through the laying on of the apostles' hands, the Holy Spirit was given, he offered them money. Now, why would he do that unless he saw something supernatural? Right. Amen. He did see something supernatural. These guys are speaking in a language he's never heard. How could they do that? Baptism of the Holy Spirit. They now have the ability to yield to the Holy Spirit, speaking a heavenly language. Simon doesn't have this yet. He's only born again. And Simon's like, wow, not even demons could give me a different language. Are you listening? So his first thought is, I want this. And therefore, his first thought is, I'll pay you for it. How I many you know you don't pay God for it? How I many you know Jesus already paid for it? Aren't you glad? I said, aren't you glad? So notice when Simon saw that through the laying on of the apostles' hands, the Holy Spirit was given, he offered him money. Saying, give me this power. I want this power. Well, it was in him. But he thinks he could somehow pay them to get this power working in their life. No, you put faith in Jesus and you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Give me this power, notice this, that anyone on whom I lay my hands receive the Holy Spirit. Is that how it works? No, because no, guess what? They got to yield to him. Doesn't just happen just because you lay your hands on somebody. He thought so because that's what he saw. He's new, to, he's new to the faith. Peter said to him, your money perish with you because you thought that the gift of God could be purchased with money. Watch this. You have neither part nor portion in this matter. Underline it for your heart. Excuse me? Your heart is not right in the sight of God. Was the guy born again? Yeah, he's already believed. I said he's already... You can be a believer and be motivated wrong. Anybody know any believers motivated by demons before? Boy, I do. Are you listening? So you can be born again, but guess what? He was used to working with demons. And so literally his heart, not obviously he's a baby Christian, not yet knowing a lot of these things is still being motivated by that old aspect of that old way, that old nature, what demons did, to be able to cause him to think he could buy this. And again, what did Peter say? For your heart is not right in the sight of God. Repent, therefore. Do what? Repent. Turn from this. Repent, therefore, from this wickedness and pray God, if perhaps, underline it, again, that the thought of what? Your heart may be forgiven you, not your head. What is this, church? Come on, I'm out of time. What is this? How do we know? Because he's talking about his heart. He's able to discern by the Holy Spirit that his heart motive is not right here. This is not God motivating you. You listening? Verse 23, I see that you are poisoned by bitterness and bound by inequity. He's born again. How does he know that? Because he knows by the very fact of discerning his spirits, you're being motivated by the wrong thing here. 24, Simon answered and said, Pray to the Lord for me that none of the things which you have spoken may come upon me. And so when they had testified and preached the word of the Lord, they returned to Jerusalem preaching the gospel in many villages of the Samaritans. Thank God he had a repentant heart. He was a baby Christian. He didn't mean to be wrong. But guess what Peter revealed? Your motive here is incorrect. You're being motivated by the wrong spirit thinking you could buy this from God. God would never motivate you to think you could buy this. The devil would. And you need to correct this in your, your way of your heart by not being motivated by these wrong spirits because if you're wrong, motivated by the wrong spirit, you're going to be led astray. Repent of this. Turn from it. Turn from these actual motivators of, you, of these uh, demons. Turn from this wrongful motivation. Repent of it. And God may forgive you. And he did. 
I said he did. So what is this again? Discerning of spirits. Discerning of spirits is the ability, say it after me, to discern the spirit that motivates a person. Now wait a minute. Do not, say do not, do not take the fact that somebody may treat you wrong, that you're going to say, I know you're motivated by a demon because that ain't good. You don't know that. Without discerning a spirit, you don't know that. You listening? Don't walk around like you're the Mr. Discerner of Spirits now. And what everybody does, they do motivated by the demons. Are you listening? You have a flesh to deal with. You can be carnal and fleshly, which ain't good, and not have a demon motivate you. You listening? As Pastor Barclay says, the problem with carnal Christians, demons don't have to help them. They're already off walking in their flesh. The problem with carnal Christians is we can't cast you out of you. We can't cast little fleshly nature out of you. You have to crucify it. You have to die to it. Don't walk around thinking, don't, don't you go tell other believers, I know pastor taught on this last Sunday in church. That's, I'll guarantee you right now, that's a demon motivating that. You don't know that unless the Holy Spirit showed you that. And I got a word for you. He's not going to show you that to go tell everybody. You listening? If it was true, he's doing it to protect you or to help them. Why did God do this with Simon? God's trying to help Simon. Simon, you got to understand, you're still in the wrong influence, son. You're a baby Christian. You don't buy these things. This is not me influencing you to actually think you could. Your heart's wrong. Now repent, turn from this, and don't allow this wrong motivation in your life. Amen? Amen. So you and I don't walk around like you're Mr. Discerner, Mrs. Discerner now. The Holy Spirit distributes them as what? As he wills. But you'll be amazed at how many times. So let me close with a story. How many times in your life God tried to use this to help you? Years ago, uh, we were actually in a situation where in Roanoke, we're, we know now we're losing our facility. The owner of the facility, we were there like 20 plus years. We had more space there than we did here, by the way. But thank God we'll have a whole lot more coming up. Praise the Lord. And God knew what he was doing. He had to deal with me pretty, pretty long term because I was too ignorant to not really seek him enough like I should to know what I need to know. But we are in a position where now we know the, the owner sold the building, so we got a short period of time. And the owner was originally told, the owner that I knew told the new owner, you can't kick this church out. You got to let them find somewhere. You got to be, now it wasn't in a contract, just verbal. Of course, they didn't adhere to that. Because within a month, he said, I'm giving you 30 more days and you got to get out. But after 30 days, I'm moving in on you. He wanted our space. And so I'm desperate. Like, man, we've been already searching. I've been going everywhere. Kathy can tell you, man, like every day I'm driving everywhere, looking everywhere, searching papers, asking people, trying to find some facility that we're going to go rent. How many understand our rent didn't go up in 22 years in Roanoke, Texas? Any idea where rent's at now? 22 years later. And we're trying to find something within our budget to try to get enough space for us as a church to where we need to go. And so finally, the last thing that I come down to desperation of, there's an old mall up here off of 35 here in Denton. Anybody know about that old mall over here? Now, I hope it's a different owner today. But that owner's a bad, he's one mixed up dude. I, I never talked to the owner, I talked to the realtor representative. But we could get the space. We could get the space we needed. We could actually get it for the price we needed. But there was some stipulations that I didn't like. Now listen, you don't just go by the natural of anything you do. You got to be led by the Holy Spirit. But there were some things clearly in the, in the contract I didn't like. Number one, uh, if there is a fire in the building and it destroys your part of the building, I do not guarantee to give you more space. You're still under contract and you still have to pay your rent, even though you have no place to lease. Nobody does this. He does. Nobody else does this. I really didn't like that stipulation. I thought, no problem. I can pray away fire. <laughs> we got angels. That'll protect our, you know, our part of the facilities, right? But there was a lot of stuff with this facility, man. The, uh, the air conditioners were over 20 plus years old. Will you fix any of those? Nope, they're your, your, your deal, which most rentals, that's kind of the way nowadays. So we were looking at the possibility of actually three new air conditioning units, five grand a piece, that's 15,000. On top of that, we're going to be roughly around 20 to 25,000 just to be able to go in to get it set up. Just a wide open space. We've got to set up bills, walls, sanctuaries, kids' rooms, all that stuff. And I'm desperate, like I'm crying out to the Lord. I said, Lord, I don't get it, man. This is the only thing I can find, and I'm just going day after day after day. Now, let me tell you what I'm wrestling with. I didn't even know it at the time because I'm just caught up trying to find a building in the natural. Not good. I said, not good. 
But I kept knowing in my spirit, man, there's something wrong with this, this guy. Man, there's something about this guy. Just, I, don't, I don't like it. My spirit doesn't like it. I, you know, Satan was trying to bait us into something. Little did I know at the time. I mean, honestly, I knew, but I just wouldn't listen. How many of you ever been there? I know you all obey God the first time he talks to you, but I was so desperate for a building. We got to go somewhere. What are we going to do? Because guess what? In 30 days, I can't fit them all in my house. Yeah. I can't put them all in my house. Where are we going to go? So at that point, I'm like, you know, Kathy, I don't know what else to do. I got to sign this contract. And I mean, it was the hardest time in my life and all my existence on the planet signing my name to a piece of paper. I had the hardest time signing my name, but I signed it. I took it to the realtor, and when I dropped it off, my heart sank because I already knew by the Holy Spirit, this guy's not good. His motive's not good. He's going to take advantage of you. He's going to take advantage of whoever's in the center. He definitely wants to take advantage of you. And so I'm telling you right now, this is not what you need to do. But I didn't listen to all that. I just knew I had to have a facility. I thought, well, God, there's nothing else. So guess what I'm going by? External. And I signed. When I got home that night, I told Kat that. I said, we got to pray. Why? That this somehow does not go through. God, I don't know how, but if there's some way you can stop this from happening, please, I put my name on a piece of paper. It's a contract. But if there's some, I know I did wrong. I know I repent. I'm sorry. Forgive me. I know this was a not, not a right spirit. I know this is the devil trying to motivate these people. I'm not, I know this is wrong. I know it's wrong. I know it's wrong. I know it's wrong. Please forgive me. If there's some way we can get out of this contract, please get us out of this contract. Next morning, phone call. Ring. Realtor, hey, he's changed the contract. He tore the last one up. I said, he did what? <laughs> he got the contract, but he just at the last moment changed something else. I said, he didn't keep it? Like he ripped it up? Yeah, he ripped it up. He tore it up. That contract is not in existence. I said, thank you, Lord. He said, here's what he wants to do. I don't care if he wants to fly me to Boogla Hoogla 15 times in a year. I, ain't. I said, forget it. I'm done. I want nothing to do with that building. Bye. See you later. And it was after that that I got quiet before the Lord. I should have done it way before that. Should have just not been looking in the natural. I said, Lord, what do you want us to do? And the Lord said, I want you to go back into a hotel. And we did. We went into the hotel across from the Merritt, across from the park, across from the racetrack over here. And we had no problems having church there for over a year. And boy, did it motivate my people to come where God wanted us to be in the end. Because I kept thinking Ponder was too far. Kathy knew a year ahead of of time. Before we bought this building, got into it actually, there was another church that wound up getting into it. But Kathy saw it before that. So I think we need to go check out that building. I just think Ponder's too far, you know, for our people to drive and stuff, you know. But I wouldn't pray about it. Say not good. A little louder, please. Make Kathy feel good. Go ahead. Say, not good. good. Yes, I didn't pray about it. So I I just kept thinking the natural. I just kept thinking, eh, man, it's just too far, too far. So long story short, we're over at Ranchers. One night we see lights on over here. So let's go check out what's going on. So we come over, and this guy, Doc, who I now know, actually was, you know, in here and signed a contract to rent it, was going to do a church. So we walk in the door, we meet him, we start talking. Really nice guy. He starts showing us around. Guess what's happening the whole time we're walking to the whole place? Clear as a bell. I mean, clear as a bell. I hear it over and over again. I just love how God speaks to you sometimes. I'm walking through the building. I look at it, look up, and the Holy Spirit says, should, should have been you in here. Go to the next room. Should have been you in here. I know, Lord. Okay, I got it. Should have been you in here. I got it. Walk to the next room. You should have been you. I thought, okay, but we're not. We're not. It's not us. Too late. And he was actually going to try to buy the building. But obviously, he's no longer here. God made a way. I said, God made a way. We'd have been in this building a year sooner had it not been me looking in the natural, trying to find something in the natural. But I'm going to tell you what, that hotel, and we had a prophecy from pastor while we were there. Yes. Had a word from God, excuse me, from our, to our, our prophet pastor. He said, he said, you know what? He said, this was a good move. This was a God move. This was a God move. This was a resting place for you to come until God could prepare for what he had. And I'm going to tell you why our church family, who was a part of our church family back then? Raise your hand. How many were excited when you found out we had a building? Yes. You know why most were excited we found out a building? Move in and out of a hotel every single Sunday. All the equipment. We live stream everything. All the equipment in, all the equipment out. I mean, it's hard enough to get people to show up on church on time now, but imagine then trying to get people to show up ahead of time. By the time I preached in the summertime, I'd already sweated a bucket load. Because of setup, getting everything ready, all that kind of stuff. After a year, a little over a year of that, and I told people, hey, we found a building in Ponder. Woo-hoo-hoo! 
Let's go, Pastor. Let's go. Praise the Lord. Nobody was down and, down and out about coming to ponder at that point. Can I get a better amen? amen. You got to learn to listen to the Holy Spirit. And he can show you the motivation behind an individual. And it may not be good. Satan was trying to bait us. Thank God we have a good God. Who even in my mistake, and I repented. That's the key. Say, I need to repent. When you've done wrong, don't act like you've done right. Don't, don't hold up your pride and say, well, I can't tell everybody I signed a contract I shouldn't have signed. You kidding me? I was like, oh my gosh, Lord, please, 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 please. I told my church family about it right after that. I said, man, we almost got in the worst deal. But thank God, God's gracious. I said, thank God, God's gracious. Aren't you glad for the Holy Spirit? Stand your feet. We pray that you are blessed by the message Pastor Baker shared with you today. For more spiritual resources that can help you in your walk with God, or to invite Pastor Baker as a guest speaker, just go to our website at cffchurch.com. You will find additional teachings by video, audio, and printed resources that will be a blessing to you. May God's very best be yours.